Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, thanking you, Lord, for another glorious day that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you for your blessings that you have bestowed upon us. God, surely your goodness and mercy has followed us, Lord, and everything that we have today, Lord, everything that we have tonight, Lord, all of the benefits of your work at Calvary is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you first and foremost for our salvation, Lord. We thank you that you have saved our souls, that you have given us, Lord God, a, a hope to live, Lord, and that's because you live today. Lord, we know that we are living in the last days. We know that we are living in evil times. Lord, we know that we are in chaos times and unprecedented times but Lord I am still reminded God and your children need to be reminded that you are still on the throne you still reign and you are still in control Lord you're in charge of everything that is going on nothing catches you by surprise God and Lord that is why you have not given us a spirit of fear but of love power and of a sound mind God and Lord I thank you that today Lord that even in the midst of all that is going on Lord we can lift our head up and know that where our help comes from Lord knowing that God you are going to take Take care of us and that, Lord, we are kept by your grace. Lord, we ask that you would touch our lost loved ones, nor those that are lost and undone. God, that they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ before it's eternally too late. Lord, we are still believing and praying and asking, God, for the prodigals to come home, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us to be that beacon of light. Lord, help us to be that lighthouse, Lord, that would shine out, God. Lord, that our lives, Lord, would preach Christ and that, Lord, not only our words, but our actions. And God, that we would be the mouthpiece, Lord, that would proclaim your glorious word, God. Lord, I pray that we would go out to the hedgeways and the byways proclaiming your truth, God. And Lord, let us move with a sense of urgency, God, as we know that we're living in these last days. Lord, for those that are in need of a physical touch, God, and we know that they are many. Lord, we are so thankful that you are still in the healing business, Lord. You are the Lord thy God. You change not the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, all of the healings and miracles that you perform for your people, God, and the gospels that we read about all throughout your word, God, you're still able to do it today, Lord. God, you're just looking for people that will dare to believe you, God, that will just place their faith in you and what you've done, God. And Lord, we still believe the healing waters are going to flow one more time, Lord, all over this land, God, before your return, God. We claim it and we believe it in Jesus' name. Lord, give wisdom to those that are needing wisdom tonight. Lord, for those that are just needing guidance in the direction, Lord, to, uh, to know what to do, Lord, we ask that you would give it to them tonight, Lord. God, be with us tonight as we teach your word. We thank you for the opportunity again, Lord, to be able to proclaim it. Lord, we would ask that you would help us to rightly divide it tonight. God, help us to do it no harm, Lord. But Lord, that you would anoint us, Lord, to speak forth your anointed word. Take it, Lord, to the hearts of your people that are sitting here tonight, those that are watching by the way of internet, God. Lord, I believe that it will be such a tremendous blessing to them, God, as your word is a blessing. God, let us be increased in knowledge and let us grow in grace. And Lord, we will be quick to give you praise, Lord, all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and amen. So Romans chapter six, yet again, and uh, that we will be in, and we're going to be, we're going to try to uh, uh, take care of verse 12, 13, and fourteen tonight uh, in Romans chapter six. Um, I there is a lot that can be said about this, as you know, we've been in this for weeks. Uh, we've been in Romans 5 and Romans 6 really for the last four months, uh, but it's been good. It's been a blessing, and I believe that people have grown. I've, uh, um, I've grown in the Lord. I believe that it, uh, they have been able to take what has been taught and apply it to their hearts and their lives, which is what we should do. And, uh, and because of that, fruit has come forth. And uh, there's nothing greater 
uh, than to study God's Word. Amen. Uh, I'm thankful for Sundays that we can come in here and have praise and worship. And I'm thankful for the singing and the, for the music. And the Lord knows that he has blessed us with tremendous talent here at this yes. church. Uh, with tremendous and talented anointed musicians and singers uh, here. Uh, but when we get down to it, if all of that is go away, it shouldn't matter because the most important thing is his word. Amen. Because that's what we live by. That's what we stand on. That is what carries us through this life. Amen. It is his word and his word alone. Amen. So Romans chapter 6 and we'll be reading verse 12 through 14. And the apostle Paul would say, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those who are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Let me read that one more time. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. I want to deal tonight, and we may get through it tonight. If not, we'll take care, finish it on up next week. But in studying and seeking the Lord, I felt that the Lord would have me to go ahead and just carry on with 12 through 14, as we have spent quite a bit of time the last couple of months, five, six weeks, in verses 1 through 11, dealing with the sin nature and uh, dealing with also how to walk in victory in our lives as Christians. Amen. And I felt Lord, that the Lord would lead me to discuss 12 through 14 and dealing with the topic of sanctification. And that is a topic that is up for much debate when it comes to the nominal churches, and especially in our Pentecostal churches. Amen. Uh, we believe in salvation and that it is by grace through faith that we are saved. Uh, we believe that it is only through the blood of Jesus Christ that one can be saved and that one is justified with God. And because you're justified with God, you are now in him. You're positionally in Christ Jesus. And because you're in Christ, you are perfect and you are holy. Because if it's not that way, then we're not saved tonight. Amen. God declares us as saved uh, individuals that are kingdom ready because of the fact that we're in Christ Jesus. Amen. It is because of him uh, and what he has done for us uh, that we can be declared clean, that we can be declared righteous tonight. Amen. The Lord cannot declare something righteous and justify something that is not yet clean. So before we're justified, we are sanctified and we're sanctified because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, but you have been sanctified and justified. You've got to be washed and clean before God can turn around and justify one. Amen. God don't justify people that are guilty and that are sin stained. He only justifies that which is clean and righteous. And so before you can be justified, you've got to be sanctified, clean by the blood and then justified. But we know that once we're saved and even though we're kingdom ready and we're perfect in the eyes of God because he sees the blood of his son, Jesus, we still know that there's still a whole lot of us that needs to be changed. Amen. We realize that you got saved, you gave your heart to the Lord, and it was the most wonderful feeling, and you thought this peace that you've come to know, the burden of sin had been lifted, and then the very next day you mess up. 
and you don't quite understand exactly why and what happened to you because you don't, you know, you've got the now presence of the Holy Spirit living inside that comes in when one says yes to Jesus Christ and you don't understand why now you still fail the Lord. But because we are still in this flesh and we still have, you know, corruption here because we still possess the sin nature, we're going to fail the Lord. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But I'm so thankful that we've got an advocate with the Father. Amen? Right. We as Christians don't believe that we should set out and, a true, and, and in fact the true born again believer, the true genuine born again believer that loves God with all of their heart does not set out to commit acts of sin because the desire for that has been stripped away. Right. But we know that we are still going to fail the Lord because again we still possess this sin nature that Paul is talking about. When you got saved, the power of it, I mean the penalty of it, was taken away. You were saved from hell, but also, again, the power of it was taken away. The power of the sin nature was taken away from you to where now you don't have to live underneath the lordship, underneath the dominionship of sin. That's why Paul said, for sin shall not have dominion over you. How could Paul make a comment of this? Because you're not up underneath law. You're now up underneath grace. See, once before, if you were operating up underneath law, trying to live by the law, the law doesn't help you and I tonight. Amen? The law did what it was supposed to do, and it condemned us. It showed us that we were wretched sinners, that we needed saving. That's all that the law could do. And if now, though that we've been saved, we're now operating underneath the flow of grace, which means we've got the help of the person of the Holy Spirit that is now going to help us to be able to live this Christian life that he has now called us to live. Amen? He says still, be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen? He still is calling his people to be holy. But we know that we can't be holy upon our own because none of us can keep all the law but with our faith anchored in Christ and what he did at Calvary's cross we can now live a holy life because you've got the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you that is the person the third person of the Trinity who is now leading you who is now guiding you who is now consuming you and now has taken over you who wants you to yield control to him so that he can have his way in your life and in my life. Amen. I want him to have his way in me oh, each yeah. and every single day because I promise you the Holy Spirit knows how to do this thing a whole lot better than you and I do. Amen. You and I make a mess out of everything. If I try to do it up on my own, in fact, think of your life before you got saved. You were trying to do it. You and I are horrible kings and queens. We're no good. We don't know what we're doing. We, we make a mess out of everything. Our lives was in ruin. That's why we needed a Savior. Amen. And now that we've been saved, we've got a new king, a new sheriff in town who's there upon our hearts, who wants to now take control of us, who does a whole lot better job than you and I. But again, it depends upon where you anchor your faith as to how much latitude he has to work in your life and in my life. Amen. You see, the Holy Spirit comes in when we get saved. And he wants to continue to do the work. But it is to the degree that he can work is dependent upon you and I and what we allow him to do. You may say, well, what do you mean by that? 
What I mean is the Holy Spirit works through the parameters of the finished work of Calvary. He is the person inside of us that is leading, that is guiding, that is wanting to work through the members of our body, amen, to produce righteousness, to produce holiness. But if our faith is not exclusively, and I mean 100% in Christ and what he has done for us at the cross, then we are depending upon self. And when you start depending upon self, then you don't receive the help of the Holy Spirit like he wants to give you. Because again, you and him both can't be working at the same time. One is going to be working and one is going to be resting. I want to be the one that's resting. Right. He said, come unto me and I will give you rest. We've come unto Jesus. He's given us rest. Now rest. But the problem is, is that we come to him, we receive the rest from our sins as far as so we don't have to go to hell. But now we think we've got to set out and do this thing. And we've not been called to do this thing. He finished the work. If you're trying to do it, that means you're trying to go out and finish something that he's already done. Christ has already done the work. You rest in what he has done, and now the Holy Spirit can move in your life and develop fruit. I want to know about you, but I love the shout. I love the singing, but I want to be like Christ, amen? I want to be changed every single day. I want the character of Wayne to be changed and to be more like Jesus, amen? We get so hung up on the shout. We get so hung up on running aisles and the singing. And I love to shout. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe in everything and I want everything that he's got. But what I desire most of all is to be like him. What I desire most of all is for me to be changed each and every single day for my talk to talk like Jesus. I want my walk to be like Jesus. I want my hands to do what Jesus would do. I want everything about me to be changed. And we need to be changed every single day because Paul said that I I have not yet been apprehended. I'm not yet arrived to this place of total perfection, but I know this one thing. I'm leaving everything in the past, and I'm marching. I'm moving. I'm pressing forward. I ain't going to stop because I want him to continue to change me. I'm reaching forward to the prize of the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's where your prize is at tonight, in Jesus, to be more like Jesus. And thanks be to God, one day soon, we're getting up out of this land, and we're going to where we are going to be perfect. We're going to receive the third installment of our salvation. We're going to be glorified, amen, and we're never going to have to deal with sin anymore, and because we're not going to have to deal with sin anymore, we're not going to have to worry about crime. We're not going to have to worry about any pain, any more heartache, any more separation, any more any of that junk because sin is going to be gone, and sin is the producer and the reason for all of the problems that we endure in this life, but one day we're going to be with Jesus Christ. Just a few more weary days and then, and then we're going to fly away. Amen. We've come way too far to stop now. I know that many people said there's a lot that's going on and they feel like throwing their hands up. Listen, child of God, don't give up because you've come way too far. We've just got a few more days, just a few more nights, and we're going home to be with him, and I wouldn't want to miss it. I've, he's been too faithful to me, and he's going to continue to be faithful. If you'll hold on to his hand, he's going to take you across that finish line, I guarantee it. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we've spent an in-depth study again over the last several weeks of the sin nature. 
And how that the sin nature was destroyed by the death of Christ Jesus on the cross when he shed his blood. And again, remember this. When you came to Christ, you were taken by the Holy Spirit as the believing sinner and baptized with Jesus. So in the mind of God, you were placed there on that cross. You say, well, you've said this now for several weeks. It bears repeating because we forget this, because we forget that we are now dead, we're crucified with Christ. And we forget this, and then the next thing you know, we're trying to live our own lives. We're trying to do this thing, and then we have a whole big mess up, amen? We see sin now reigning in our life because we're not letting him live in us and live through us. So remember, you were you were crucified with Christ on Calvary's cross. So when you said yes to Jesus Christ, you were taken by the Holy Spirit, placed into Christ. And because he died 2,000 years ago, you were placed into his death. And that is where he acted as your substitute. And now your identity is in him. Amen. He was buried. You was buried. He ascended. And now you have been resurrected in newness of life. So the old you is dead and is buried. This person now that is walking around now as you are because you're saved is not the old you. It's not a patch job. It's not a band-aid over the old you. It's a whole brand new creation. It's still very much me, but now I've got a brand new heart. That soul has been regenerated. It's the very core of who I am is now in Christ Jesus. And so now everything about me has changed. So my identity now is not in a denomination. It's not in my job. My identity is in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Paul hid himself in Christ. We are to be hid in Christ. We shouldn't want to be seen. Nothing about us is any good. It's only the Christ. It's only Jesus that's within us that's good. Amen. Amen. So the greatest testimony that you can have is what Paul said in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. That's the greatest statement that you could say. The greatest legacy that you could ever leave behind is that he was crucified with Christ. That old man was, was crucified with Christ Jesus and now a new person has resurrected and has come forth. Amen. So understanding who Jesus is and receiving him into your heart and life, we've not only received the greatest gift that one could ever receive, which is salvation, but you have also received the accompaniment of victory over sin as well. Again, we talked about this for the last six weeks. There are so many believers that are, do not know how to live a victorious life. They are bound by sin. They are bound by acts of sin, even though they don't want to do it, because they're trying to live out this Christian life in their own strength. You and I have not been called to do this. You and I, again, have been called to rest in Christ Jesus and now let him live in us and live through us. Amen. And when you understand that that relationship to the sin nature has been destroyed and now it no longer has power over you, it had power over the old man. It doesn't have power over the new man because you're now in Christ Jesus. But if we don't keep our faith in Christ and Christ alone, then what happens is we get plugged back in to the sin nature and then we begin to see the, the, the horrible effects of it in our life. It will cause the believer to be miserable because you don't want to do these things. What Paul talked about, I don't want to do these things. I, I've got the willpower, but yet I'm still finding myself doing what I don't want to do. 
And we've all walked this road. And the reason why is because he did not understand what took place at Calvary and that everything had already been taken care of, okay? All right, so again, uh, if it's not understood, uh, then it causes great problems. Your sin was dealt with at Calvary. And if we don't understand how to deal with it, then again, we're going to experience problems. And many believers do not understand where their sin was handled. They don't understand it. Your sin problem, whatever it is you're going through, was handled at Calvary. You don't have to handle it. He's not asked you to fight it. He's asked you to fight the good fight of faith alone. Amen? So Paul's writing this letter to the Church of Rome, and he's went into great detail and explanation of the finished work of Calvary in the first 11 verses that we have talked about for several weeks. And within these verses, we see Paul is admonishing the reader to realize who they are in Christ now. So when you read the first 11 verses, you realize, hey, this is who I am in Christ now. I've, the, the body of sin has been destroyed. He's now expected me to walk in newness of life. We've been planted together in the likeness of his death. And therefore, he who is dead is free from sin. If I am dead with Christ, then we believe we should also live. Paul goes into such great explanation from verses 1 through 11, and it all hinges and encompasses the work at Calvary. And when we understand this, then we can realize now why he says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies. Amen. So we see that through this text now that having died with Christ, we should also walk in newness of life. So Christ's death on Calvary's cross has atoned for all of our sins. And when I wrote that down, it was like, thank you, Jesus. He atoned for all of our sins, not just now, but past present and future. He's took care of it all. Amen. He's atoned for it. He's took care of it all. And his resurrection says to us now that we ought to be and should be walking in newness of life. Amen. So we do a great disservice to the Lord and when those who have received divine grace then try to turn it around and say that his grace gives us the, the reason to go ahead and just do whatever we want to do. Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God did not save you to continue in sin. He saved you from sin, not in sin. He didn't want you to continue to do it. He has saved you from it so that now you can live a victorious life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, when he says here, old things are passed away, that means old mindsets are gone, old habits are gone, old lifestyles are gone, old ways are gone. All of that stuff is gone now. Old things have passed away now you've got a new attitude. You've got a new way of thinking. You've got a new mindset because all of the old ones are gone. New ones have come forth because of now you are in Christ Jesus. So there's a new way of living and it's to take place in our lives. Again, Christ saved us from sin and not in sin. What good would it have been for Christ to have died if we were going to continue and he said it's okay to remain underneath the dominion of sin? It would have been for nothing. Christ died to save us from sin and also to set us free. And we get and thank God we, we got salvation right, that it is by faith and it's through his grace alone. But we need to remember, too, that he has set us free. And it's not God's will for us to continue to live underneath the dominion of the sin nature any longer, okay? So his death on Calvary broke the power of sin that was on us, set us free, and now you can walk in freedom 
and in liberty. Romans 1.16, Paul said it here, uh, and if, you rem if you've read it, and I've read it many times, you'll know it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we see here that his power, it has went forth to save us. His plan to overcome all obstacles, that mighty dunamis power of the Holy Spirit led us into salvation and now it's given to us to overcome sin and to overcome all of the temptations and to overcome all of the obstacles that you face in your life. He is, it is now that power unto salvation. It is through Christ and what he's done that the Holy Spirit now can come in and can work in our lives, all right? So you're a new creature. And because you're a new creature, that new creature's life is wrapped up in the life of Christ. So now all the old things about us are passed away because they're associated with the old man. So they've perished. They've been done away with. And now all things have become new. See, everything should be new about you. The way you talk's new. The way you walk's new. The way you talk to your neighbors should be new. The way you treat your enemies should be new. Amen. Everything about you is new now. And so now the old ways of doing things as the old man are going away with. You've now got a new identity in Christ who now is going to teach you how to talk, how to treat your neighbor, how to love your enemy. Amen. We get again so caught up in all of the things that we see on Sunday and, and who we are and the shouting and all of that. But again, God wants to change us, wants to change our character. Amen. So again, we should be walking in newness of life. So everything's brand new because you were washed in the blood of Jesus and, and you now have royal blood flowing through you. And what new blood means is new DNA. And that DNA now says that I belong to the Heavenly Father. See, the last time I've checked before that when if you talk to any medical person, they will tell you that when you draw blood from an individual, it can tell you all about that person. It tells you your blood pressure levels. It tells you your sugar levels. It tells everything about you. Any sicknesses that it can be all identified by the blood because the Bible says life is in the blood. So before you got saved, you had that old blood running in you. And then the, the, the diagnosis come back that said you were a sinner and you were sentenced to die. But now you've had a blood transfusion. You've got royal blood flowing through you. And now you've got new DNA. And that DNA now says you don't belong to the father of the devil anymore. You now belong to the heavenly father. Well, how can that be? Because you're in Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus belongs to him and he is now your elder brother. And so your elder brother's running through you, which now makes you a son and a daughter of the most high God. And that's the greatest thing that can be said, that we've got a new father, amen. It's no longer uh, the enemy. It's no longer uh, the devil, amen. So the Bible says you're now the temple of the Holy Ghost, which means he now owns you and you now belong to him. There wasn't no voting that took place. You said yes to Jesus and he came in and took up shopping you, amen. So now that we've been saved and we have received redemption, as Christians, we're not to let the sin nature reign any longer. That's why Paul here said, don't let it reign anymore in this mortal body. This, this shell here, this is your mortal body. We're not to let it reign. What did Paul mean when he said, don't let it reign? 
Man, man, don't let it rule. Don't let it have lordship. Don't let it have control over this mortal body anymore. This body now is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You don't belong to you anymore. You belong to him, amen? He's now here. He's now in control of you. So he wants control of your mouth. He wants control of your eyes. He wants control of your ears. He wants control of your hands, your feet. He wants control of every bit of you, amen? And then he don't, he don't produce unrighteousness. He doesn't produce unholiness. He doesn't produce flesh. He produces the fruit of the Spirit. He produces righteousness in you. But how he does it, again, depends on you. If you don't keep your faith in Christ and what he's done, and without anchoring it in there and looking to him each and every single day, then you will see the sin nature reigning, ruling in your mortal body. A lot of people don't think that you can be saved. A lot of people don't think that there's no way you can truly be born again and love God and get have bondages in your life. But that's not true. Paul here is writing to believers, those that have experienced grace, those that have been saved. And he's saying here all through verse 1 through 11, listen, I've come to a conclusion here now. Therefore, sin shall not reign in you. He's laid out. You think about it. It's like when you give an introduction to, a, to a, a, uh, an essay that you write, you give an introduction, then you've got the main body, and then you come up with the conclusion. Paul here was given the main body in verses 1 through 11 of a paper. And so he's summarizing it all up, and he's now coming to the conclusion. And that's why he uses the word, therefore. Therefore, this is the concluding fact of everything that I've said. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body. And he could say that because of the fact that Christ paid for it all in what he did for us at Calvary. Amen. So again, we're dead to sin. We've been crucified. We've taken on a new life. And so therefore, it should not, the sin nature should not reign in us. Okay. So again, it's still you. But because your spirit, man, has been regenerated. And if you look at the first six letters of regenerated, it, it's regene. Again, it carries the idea that something has been formed again. Something has been made over. And so, therefore, you're no longer in control. So, you, before, you had no option because you were a slave to sin. But since Christ has set you free, you're no longer obligated to obey that old master. Because the new you has a new master. Now, don't get me wrong. The old master is vying for control of you each and every single day, and he wants to cause you terrible problems. He don't want you walking in victory. John 10, 10 says, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Listen, he is desiring to steal everything that you have in Christ Jesus. He does not want you to have an abundant life. And the latitude that he has to work in our lives and to cause us problems is because we shift our focus away from the finished work. It is so important. Paul here said it, the just shall live by faith. And when we quit living by faith, and that living by faith is not just for our salvation, but our everyday life and how we live out this new Christian life. If we don't live by faith and instead start living by feelings, instead by living by works, then we're going to see the sin nature reigning in us. And it should not be reigning in us. Christ has paid such a price for us to be set free. And to me, it is almost a shame 
to know that Christ has died and yes are we saved but he has paid such a price to set us free and we are yet not receiving and not enjoying that tremendous benefit that we have of walking victorious over sin in our life. Amen. So again Paul as I said has brought out the concluding factor that now sin does not have to reign over us and, and he has informed the, the people that the sin nature is not to reign at all in our mortal bodies. Okay. So again there, there are many again who denies that the sin nature exists any longer inside of us once we get saved listen the sin nature doesn't go away the sin nature still there if it wasn't still present in us Paul would have never said don't let sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that tells me that the sin nature is still inside of me the sin nature is still inside of you if it was completely gone he would not have had to say don't let it rain he would have not had to go in here and tell us that sin shall not have dominion over you but he tells us that because that very nature of sin is still there and he, but if your faith is in Christ you're not going to experience the problems from it you're not going to be underneath its dominion and its lordship but without faith being anchored in Christ and what he's done we're going to see the sin nature reigning and having dominion over us. So the Apostle Paul said, tells us this, not to let it reign, not to let it have lordship over us. And even though we've received grace and we've been regenerated and we're made up of a new DNA, again, this corrupt nature is vying for control inside of you and it's vying for control inside of me. Every day, every day the sin nature wants control. But that's why Christ said, if you're going to come after me, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me daily, daily. Every day you should get up and say, Lord, my faith is not in myself, but I put my faith in you and what you have done for me at Calvary's cross. When you do that and make that simple declaration of faith, and understand, it's not just saying the words. You can say the right words, but it's placing your faith there. You are then given the Holy Spirit, the, the, just the premise to be able to move and operate in your life the way that he wants to. But if you don't deny your abilities, if you don't deny your talents, if you don't deny the fact that you can't do this, then you're not going to receive the help of the Holy Spirit that you and I need. And therefore, you're going to see sin causing you problems in your life. I know way too many believers like that and some of them you, you, you just see the works of the flesh coming forth. And why? Because they're trying to live by law. You can't live by law. You've got to walk in the spirit. That's what he tells us to do. Walk in the spirit and you should not fulfill the lust. There, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't fulfill them because you're walking in the spirit. You're walking in the, the, the parameters of what Christ has done. You're walking in and by faith in the finished work. And it's given the Holy Spirit the, the ability to give you the power now to live this holy life. Think about it. If you put this into action and you put it into test, and I know because I can speak of this because I applied it to my life. Nothing else works. Nothing else works. You can try to do everything that you want to do to overcome sin and you will still find yourself being underneath the dominion of sin. But when you place your faith and you keep it there and you leave it there every single day, the Holy Spirit then will come in and will defeat this sin that is causing you and I problems in our life okay so the sin nature again exists within all of us and the proof of it manifests itself when we sin and when we mess up in the most visible way which is by and again the most visible way of it is by death listen 
The reason why people die is because they still possess the same nature. We are corrupt people. But there's a day that is coming where it says corruption shall put on incorruption. Mortality shall put on immortality because you're going to be receiving a glorified body. Yeah. Amen. So again, if the sin nature were completely gone, we, we would not die. But we do because it still exists. Amen. It cannot have control over you anymore because you're in Christ. But the ongoing present effects of this past work will only continue as one stays in Christ. What Christ did 2,000 years ago still and can have present ongoing effects in our life each and every single day, but is only going to as one stays in Christ. That Listen, the blood paid for it all. It's a finished and complete work, but that work is so powerful that it's still setting men free today. That work is so powerful and what took place 2,000 years ago that it will, it will continue to save men. And it is what carries us through into eternity. And we will forever be with him because of what he did that day on Calvary's cross. And we can experience present day results from that past work even right now. 2,000 years ago, but yeah, we can still experience them, some same effects and results from that by looking to that, by looking to the cross, by looking to the finished work every day. But you're not going to see the present effects of it, that past work, if you're looking to yourself, if you're looking to flesh, all right? So the sin nature is present, not to reign. And so continuing to look to Christ and his performed work at Calvary keeps you in the freedom that he died to give you. You and I have got freedom tonight, freedom from sin, freedom to live for him, amen? So we have a responsibility to keep the sin nature from reigning and mounting up again. See, we're soldiers and we are to stand guard on behalf of our new king to make sure that the sin nature does not rule. The Holy Spirit is coming to govern us and, and to now take charge and we are to allow him to be in control and in charge. So the responsibility lies upon you and I to give him the latitude on what he can do in our life. Amen. You see, he's already done the work and the maintenance of our salvation doesn't depend on us. It depends on the Holy Spirit. You can't save yourself. You can't clean yourself up. But we think that we are supposed to be the maintenance man, if you will, of our salvation. It's like a restaurant. I worked at McDonald's for 20 years, and every restaurant had a, uh, had a maintenance man. And that maintenance man was responsible for keeping the lobby clean, for keeping the equipment running, for keeping things from that tore up, getting it fixed again, and, and to make sure that everything appeared real good. And see, we get saved. He comes in, and we think that we are now the maintenance man of our salvation. We're not the maintenance man of our salvation. You're to be the customer and enjoy it. As the customer comes in, the customer gets the food. The customer don't pick up a broom and does the cleaning. No, no. That's the job of the maintenance man. You're supposed to just enjoy what he's done and walk in victory. He's the one who's supposed to fix stuff. He's the one who's supposed to clean stuff up. He's the one who's supposed to do the repairing. Not you. You're supposed to just rest in what he's done and trust that he will do the work that needs to be done. See, we see and we identify the problems. We see that there is a problem, and that's good. You should identify. But what you should do with that sin, instead of you trying to get rid of it, instead of you trying to conquer it, take the sin to the cross and nail it to the cross, amen, and let him rid you of the junk of the sin that is in your life. 
And the latitude that he has, the way that he's able to do it is by you sitting down in Christ, staying, stay, keeping your faith anchored in what he's done and resting in his finished work. Amen. Man, many says that they can't help it, that they have to sin a little bit every day. And that's not true. Again, we fall short of the glory of God. And again, we are going to mess up. But there are these doctrines that are out here that says, well, I have to sin every day. I have to sin today because I have no control over it. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You don't have to live in sin. He has set you free. That is a lie of the enemy that wants us to think that we can. And little by little, if we continue to believe that lie and stay in that, then we're not careful. We'll find ourselves not even repenting of the sin that is in our life. God does not want us to be up underneath sin. He wants us to live free from it. And thanks be to God that when we do mess up, we've got an advocate with the Father who will forgive us of our sin, who will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. So, again, we know we're going to fall short. And there's some days it seems like it's more than unders. Seems like we fall short more than others. But, again, to be under the control and dominion of it, we should not be. Amen? So when you said yes to Jesus, you now have a new position, and it's in Christ Jesus. You have a seat at the king's table, if you will. You've got a seat at the, at the king's table. And so now your walk should equal your calling. Your walk should equal your calling. We have been called to follow Christ. We are positionally in Christ. And our walk each and every single day on this earth should equal and line up with who we say we are in Christ Jesus. There's so many people that call themselves Christians and their lives are far from being reminiscent of who they say that they represent. As a Christian, everything about us should change. So our walk now should line up with our talk. Amen. We got a whole lot of professors, but few possessors. We possess Christ Jesus. Our life now should be patterned after his life and after his word. Amen. So your walk is, uh, it should be lining up with our declaration. See, it's not enough to speak it, but Christ expects us to live it. And we live this new life in Christ. Amen. So understanding now that we are new creatures in Christ and we have a new position, which is a position of perfection and a position of holiness, we know that our condition is far from being our position. Now, what do I mean by that? Talking about sanctification. Our position is in Christ. We're holy. We're righteous. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are, we are, we're encompassed around and we're by that bloodline that the enemy cannot get past. Amen. Oh. We're in the Father's hand. And he Thank says you. that no man can take us out of the Father's hand. No man can pluck me out of the Father's hand. Amen. Yes. But our condition, our present condition, is far from our position in Christ. Our condition is who we are right now. And we know that us right now is far from being perfect. Amen. We're far from being holy. We're far from being just having it all right together. And so, but we are to be changing each and every single day. And this is where sanctification comes in at. This is where uh, we see that changing. That's what sanctification is. A continual cleaning up. So you were sanctified before you got justified. You had to be cleaned up and be washed in his blood to be, for him to be able to declare you as righteous. But now there's a progressive sanctification that takes place in your life and in my life every day. 
That progressive sanctification means it's something each and every single day that needs to be cleaned up in us, that needs to be changed in us to make us more into the image of Christ. He didn't save you to leave you the same way that you are. He saved you so that he can now change you and make you more like Christ each and every single day to bring him glory so that you can be even a greater visible light and witness in this lost and dark and dying world. That's what he has saved you for, not to leave you the same. But we can be confident in this one thing, that he that has begun a good work shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's begun a good work in you. When did he begin the good work? The day that you got saved. And so you can be confident. That word confident means steadfast, sure, without a shadow of a doubt. He's going to now perform it. He's going to perform. He's going to perform. Not you're going to perform it. He's going to perform it. I used to sing a song when I was a little child. He's still working on me. He's still working on me after all of these years being saved. And guess what? He's going to keep working on me until the day that I go home to be with Christ Jesus. Well, why is he going to keep working on you? Because there's still things about me that needs to be changed. Amen? Amen? And it's him, the one who does the changing. I can't clean myself up. I can't change myself. Only he can clean me. Only he can change me. Amen? Talking about position and condition. I'll give you an illustration. We bought a farmhouse table a while back, about a year ago, Stacy and I did, to put as an entertainment stand. It's a farmhouse sort of type table. And when you buy the box, what do you see on the outside of the box? The completed finished work. And that's the way God views you and I. A completed finished work in Christ Jesus. But when I opened up the box, guess what? There wasn't a completed finished work inside of the box. There was fittings that needed to take place. There was a construction that needed to take place. Pieces need to be put together in order for us to now be able to enjoy it. See, you are viewed as, as a completed work. God sees you as a finished, complete work because he sees the blood and he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But there's things in us that needs to be fitted, that needs to be changed, that needs to be moved around, screwed a little tighter. This needs to be unloosened. All of the construction that needs to take place to make it into the finished product that's on the outside of the package. You see where I'm going with this? That's what he's doing with us each and every single day. He's connecting this. He's screwing in this. He's taking this tool. He's taking this away that's not needed because every package comes with extra pieces that you don't need. And he takes away all of these things and he's forming us and transforming us to make us into who we already are. See, when I put that table together, I was putting it and constructing together to make it look like what the box said it's supposed to look like. God sees us as a finished product. The Holy Spirit wants to change us and make us into who God sees us as, that finished product. Amen? All right. So all true believers, again, need to recognize the need for change even after regeneration. We have to recognize that we still need to be changed, amen? But the person to do it is where there comes a divide. See, this is where the divide comes in into the church world. Because we think that uh, we, excuse me, need to be the one who's doing it. And it's not us. The sanctifying takes place by the person of the Holy Spirit. Listen, who better that knows how to clean me up and change me but other than God, the Holy Spirit? 
He's supposed to be sanctification means the setting apart for sacred use, a cleaning up. He's the one who does the cleaning up because he knows what needs to be taken away, even those things that you don't even see about yourself. There's things about me I don't know. Oh, yeah. Ask the Lord to search your heart. Search my heart, oh God. Reveal the wickedness that's within me. Clean me up. Because there's things inside of each and every single one of us that he wants to rid us of. That he wants to do it. Amen. Most Christians feel that the responsibility is now upon them to do the performance, to do the sanctifying that needs to be done. But when one does this, one goes back into relationship with law. And when you resurrect your relationship back with law, then you've resurrected your relationship back with the sin nature. When you try to do it, when you try to rid yourself of this sin that he says should not be reigning in your life, the sin nature, when you try to get rid of the problems so that you don't have to obey it, then you have just resurrected your relationship back with the sin nature. The sin nature gains the power, if you will, from you going back into law. It stays dead by you depending upon Christ and what Christ has done for us at the cross. You see, you're not up underneath law anymore, Paul said. You're up underneath grace. And when you depend upon yourself and when you depend upon what you think you can do, you just turn that lever back on. You think about it like that main breaker that shuts down the power to a factory plant. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit took a hold of that lever, pulled it down, and it shut down everything. It shut down that sin factory that could not pump out anymore like that. It shut down that nature. It died. There was no more power running to it. It could not pump out the sin anymore. But when you move away from depending upon Christ and what he's done, and you go back into law, then guess what? The lever goes turned back on. The lever turns back on. And now all of a sudden sin it starts pumping back out of you. Because you're depending upon law to clean you up. Law can't clean us up. Law identifies the problem. There's no power in law whatsoever. We are now up underneath grace. We are now up underneath the reign of the Holy Spirit. Who is the one who will rid us of this junk that is within our life. All right? So again, Galatians 5, 16, I'm closing. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust thereof. So no true believer wants to fulfill the lust of the flesh. They don't want to sin, but there's only one remedy and one solution. One answer that keeps us from fulfilling what this old carnal flesh desires, and that is to walk in the spirit. Let me just hit on this. I won't get it all done tonight. Walking in the spirit, and we have this has to be explained, especially to us Pentecostals. We believe that walking in the Spirit means being baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues. And absolutely one should go on to receive all that Christ has done. One should go on to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But walking in the Spirit does not mean speaking in tongues every day. That does not mean that that's what gives you victory over sin. You can pray and speak in tongues every day in your life, but it's not going to give you victory over the sin problem that is within your life. The sin problem was handled at Calvary. Amen? So when we say walk in the Spirit, what he's saying is walk in what Christ has done. That's where the Holy Spirit is at. The veil was ripped in two. When? 
When he cried, it is finished. Because the sin, of, the debt of sin had been paid for. So the Holy Spirit now could come down and reside within the hearts and lives of believers. Amen. Walk in what Christ has done. And when you keep your faith anchored in what he's done, and you walk in that power, you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit that comes and works through the parameters of the finished work, then you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Listen, the flesh lusts us every day to sin. You and I, let's, we all, let's admit it, it does. Our flesh is tempted to sin every single day. And the only way you're not going to fulfill that, the old carnal desires of the old man, is by now walking in the spirit as the new creature in Christ Jesus. Because if you don't walk in the spirit, I promise you, you're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh, even if you don't want to. Because you're depending upon you. You're depending on you as the power source. And the power source that you need to not fulfill it is the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit who's greater than the powers of darkness. Who made an open show of them. Christ did, Colossians 2 tells us, at Calvary. He spoiled principalities. He defeated powers of darkness. He made an open show of them and triumphed over them. Saying basically to them, hey, I defeated you. You thought you won. I've defeated every single one of you. And he sent everyone unpacking that day on Calvary. And that's what sends him packing even now. It's the blood of Jesus. That's what sends the enemy running. That's what defeats the powers of darkness. That's what keeps you from uh, giving in to the temptation. By depending on Christ and what he has done for you at the cross. Don't depend on yourself. Look to him. Lord, you did it already for me. I don't have to fight for victory. I'm fighting from a place of victory. Because you've already done it, Lord. And I take your victory today. I take up the cross. I take up what you have done for me. Amen. So our walk, our lifestyle is not to be reminiscent of our old man, but indicative of our new man. So we should start treating our neighbor like we should. We should start loving like he would have us to love. We should stop the mess that is in our life that we've been set free from. This sin, he wants it out of our lives because he's already set us free. Amen. So walking in the spirit again simply means that you order your life and maintain your faith in Christ and what he has done for you at the cross. And when you place it there, again, you are guaranteed the help of the Holy Spirit and he will help you to walk in victory. Amen. Don't let sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. I didn't get to 13 and 14, but again, don't yield your members. What are your members as instruments? Hands, feet, mouth, eyes. These are the members of your body. He says, don't yield it. When you think about the word yield and you're driving, what does that mean? You're allowing the other traffic to go ahead, right? You're yielding to them. They have control. They have the right of way. And he says, yield your members to righteousness. Yield to the Holy Spirit so that he can produce the righteousness. Don't yield to the sin nature so that the sin don't be pumped out in, the, in your body like that. It don't have to be that way. Your eyes, your ears, everything you should be, we should be listening to things we should be listening to. Our eyes should be looking at things that, and they won't if we look to Christ. He'll keep you from that because he'll even strip the desire away for those things. If the desire is still there, it's because we're depending upon us. Look to Christ and what he's done and you can walk in victory each and every single day. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's just close out uh, in prayer uh, tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the help that we receive. Lord, we pray 
that something has been said and done, Lord, that has been a blessing to your people, that would help your people to be able to walk in this newness of life, Lord, that you have called us to live. Lord, I pray that you would help us to embrace the blood of Jesus. Help us to embrace your finished work at Calvary each and every single day, Lord, that God, your power would rest upon our hearts and our lives each and every single day, Lord, that we would continue to furnish the desire for you to change us, that, Lord, you would continue to produce the fruit in us, Lord, that only you can produce, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, you be with each and every one of us, Lord, as we go our separate ways into the next appointed time that we would come together. In your name, Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Thank each and every one of you for being here tonight. Thank you for those that watched online. Uh, we pray that it has been a blessing to you. Remember Sunday morning service at 1030. Uh, if you can, be with us here in the sanctuary. If not, we'll see you online. Be blessed.